Charles Millis Scott Manson, B33920, and all the rest of them. M A N S O N. Yeah, well, the, the more confusion that people have piled on me with lies and deceit and ambition and all the greedy little things that they play their dollar bills for uh, comes back to the penitentiary that I've been in since I was a little kid. So I look at everything from a child's perspective because I'm still 10 years old, because I've still been up underneath the authority of the father since I was a little 10-year-old kid, because when my mother got out of prison, she brought me over and let me loose with the monks in the Irish Catholic Church. I escaped there at 13 years old, and I burglarized a lot of things, and I went through a lot of hell coming to California to get to the situation that we're in here now. I do a lot of underworld things. I've been in the underworld all my life since I was a child. If you make a mistake and cross me, I'll get you. It's that simple. You know what? I've thought about that so many times. Like one day someone's going to find podcasts and YouTube. Like yeah. that's still going to exist once humans are going to be wiped out. By the way, humans are totally going to be wiped out one day. Our grandkids will probably watch. I mean, if you guys have kids, like whatever, like our ancestors may be watching this. Someday. Dude, aliens so, are well, going to find this once the human race is wiped out. <laughs> <laughs> and they're going to be like, wow, they sure did waste a lot of time. Or maybe they waste way more time. Hello there, Xandar. The, uh, <laughs> the conqueror. <laughs> Anyways, we just got back from the basement down in downtown Bakersfield where we were hanging out with Brent from Sofa King. And I'm very dehydrated because it's about 117 degrees here in Bakersfield and we were in a basement in Bakersfield. So um, excuse my energy level here, but um, God bless water, okay? Hell yeah, dude. Hey, dude, basements in Bakersfield, first of all, California doesn't really have basements, but to find a basement in California, that's some fucking like... Silence of the Lamb type shit. We're like, oh yeah, the first time. Okay, because spoiler alert, Keith uh, works with uh, one of their business partners. Oh, by the way, yeah, for those of you who can't see me, I'm back, Keith Silvis, Jacob's cousin, hanging out, talking about Charlie Manson with these guys. <laughs> Charlie by, Manson. By the way, if there was ever a motivation to go on the YouTube to check us out, dude, check out this, these guys. This guy's got the best biceps in, We're gonna in, flex in town. Look at that, man. Just, <laughs> and if you're not seeing this, get on YouTube right now. Check out this guy's biceps. Thanks for the shout out for these Look at little, that V-neck. Too. These oh my God. Dude, if shooters. I had those biceps, I would be wearing nothing but V-necks. That's, I mean, you got to get the V-necks, you know. Yeah. Or, you the, or those like kind of douchey, I'm glad you don't do it. But those like things were like, what are they? The, 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 oh, the bra strap. Is that what tank they're tops? called? Or yeah. I don't know, but like where it's got the little. Yeah. It's like a tank top, but with bra straps. Yeah. yeah. I've never done that, but you know. I wouldn't blame you if you did. Dude. If I mean, all the listeners out there, if you guys want to send Art and Jacob a little one of those tank tops with the, I forget what they're called. Spaghetti straps. I believe it's called like a square, a square cut tank top or something like that. I know 50, 50 cent. Fifty wears cent. Yeah. Well, he's that shit. he's like he also he's rocks a bulletproof vest. So yeah. But I'm just saying, anybody wants to send these gentlemen, um, I will probably be posting a picture on their Instagram. In uh, <laughs> I'm just saying that now, like I haven't asked the permission or anything. But Don't I'll ask, be just posting do. a picture of myself uh, in this this uh, tank top. I could take a large or a medium if you want to send a medium. <laughs> He's also got a nice chiseled chin. It looks like John Ham over here and shit. <laughs> John who? John Ham, Madman. Oh, I've never John Hamon. I haven't watched it. 
Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I'm trying to think. You look like a celebrity, but I can't think of what the celebrity Clive Owen. Name. Clive Owen, no. I've heard Sasha Clive... Baron Cohen. I've heard That's Paul pretty Rudd. accurate. Sasha Baron Cohen, when he's cleaned up, he's a good-looking man. Yeah, I guess you do kind of look like him. Like Bruno. So I look like Bruno. <laughs> <laughs> Bruno. Um, so, that yeah, then I've heard Paul Rudd, and I've heard um, Paul Rudd. the guy from Friends, Ross. Oh, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, so... I don't know. I don't think I look like Ross. I know I look like Sasha Baron Cohen. It's kind of like Sasha. If Sasha Baron Cohen and Ross from Friends had <laughs> a baby, baby. <laughs> and he was slightly Mexican, except Ross from Friends always looked like he was five seconds away from passing out. He was about to fall asleep. What was that all? What was that whole thing? <laughs> now that's a mystery we should dive into. <laughs> anyway. What is today's topic? Speaking of mysteries, not a mystery today. No, it's 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 a solved mystery. We're talking about Charlie Manson. Charles Manson. Charles No Name Manson. Charles No Name Maddox Manson. Yeah, yeah. So, do you want to kick it off, Art? So, anyways, before we do kick it off, okay. Yeah. Now that I'm starting, <laughs> now that I'm hydrated, I'm starting to get my energy levels back up. Um, the reason why I wanted to do this topic, yeah, is, this is your whole thing. Yeah, is that um, there was a little independent movie that came out last month, and um, <laughs> after doing my research, I guess apparently this is it's exactly 50 years ago from last month. We should have done this last month um, for the you know infamous you know Sharon Tate. Uh, La Bianca murders that happened in L.A. by the Manson family. But there was a little independent film by a little independent director named Quentin Tarantino called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Badass movie. I highly recommend that you watch it. Um, does it follow what we're about to talk about to the T? No. Obviously, Quentin Tarantino took some liberties, and by some liberties, I mean a lot of liberties. Artistic life. Well, that's kind of his movies. They're like in the Quentin Tarantino universe. Mm-hmm. Kind of like that Stephen King universe. Yeah. <laughs> Inglorious, like Inglorious Bastards. Obviously, Hitler didn't die in a fucking you know, flamethrower incident in a movie theater. But was, I thought he was like eaten away by a machine gun. Oh, bombs. that's right. Yeah. Although, please, like, I don't know about your audience, but I actually haven't seen the movie yet. I'm kind of slacking, so or we're not doing too many spoilers. Oh, no, no, no. No, okay. no spoilers here. Sweet. I'm just letting you know that... Yeah, I mean, this movie, the Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, doesn't follow the narrative that actually happened, but very good <laughs> movie nonetheless. And um, I just got, had so much joy in my heart after watching this, which is kind of creepy when you really know what happens, that it's just like I wanted to dive full in. Like, everybody knows the name Charles Manson. Everybody associates him with a serial killer. But when you get down to it, he never killed anybody. So I wanted to really like dig my hands into this and you know learn as much as I could and share it with the millions. And millions. <laughs> Thank you for the energetic millions of our our Art and Jacob listeners out there. So yes. Yeah, so anyways, Charles Charlie Manson. Did you guys know much about him before you started doing your research? Honestly, it just like the John Bonet thing. Like I knew of him. Just knew- like it does. Yeah, just the like. first thing that came to mind was John Bonet. <laughs> but like with John Bonet Ramsey, like I said that hey, you know, I figured like okay, it was a little white girl that died. They solved the mystery. It was the parents. Boom, case over. Right? Wrong. You know, there's a whole bunch of stuff I did not know about it. Same thing with Charles Manson. I just figured he was a psychotic, fucking um, serial killer that killed Sharon Tate and a bunch of people around L.A. I didn't, you know, and he had a bunch of hippie groupies with him, and that's all I knew. But it was so much more than just that. I remember when I was younger, do you remember those, like, circus magazines and all that? Oh, yeah, yeah. It would have, like, Slipknot on the cover and all this shit. Yeah. So, like, at the end, they usually had, like, this catalog of T-shirts you can buy, right? So mm-hmm. it was, like, Gorn shirts or whatever, whatever the cool new metal band that was out at the time. And then there was always, like, 
Charles Manson shirts for some reason. And what? I didn't really know much about Charles Manson at the time. I was just like, oh, that's crazy. Like, <laughs> like basically, if it didn't happen, like, 1992 and after, like, I don't really know about it. Yeah. Especially at this time, before, like, internet was fast. So, I definitely wasn't going to go dive in. Is that 28K? Yeah, dude. I was, like, dial up, like, fucking 45 minutes to download your fucking mm-hmm. whatever your pornography of choices at the time. <laughs> so, it was you just, had to like, start it before school and come home after school to make yeah, sure it was still going. Hope your parents don't find it. So, yeah. it's, like, yeah, it was, like, really slow. So, um, I didn't know that much about Charles Manson. I knew the name. I knew Marilyn Manson. I knew it was somehow associated mm-hmm. But that's all I knew about it. Also, Rob Zombie was like obsessed with it. Yeah, like that's all uh, the only other thing I knew as well. Yeah, Rob Zombie's obsessed obsessed with like everything, dude. He like loves Skittles. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's all I really knew about him. And I was like, oh, he must have been like a crazy serial killer. Eh. You knew anything about him? You know, I remember watching a documentary like long before this podcast or research that I was doing. It, I just for some reason was like, I want to find out about Charles Manson. So. I ended up, you know, just kind of watching something on him, and it was creepy, you know? It's just like, wow. Um, now, all of that I remember, you know, I might not remember a ton of that, but, yeah, I just remember being like, oh, wait, he didn't kill people? Like, it, he got people to kill people? That's interesting. Interesting, yeah. Yeah, and, like, his connection to, like, yeah, I mean, we'll get into it, but, like, some of his connections in the music industry at that time and stuff, and it's just like, huh, um, wow, I didn't realize he was that. Kind of, it's, It kind of reminds me of a little bit of um, Forrest Gump. Like, it just always in the right place at the right time. But instead of making the right decisions, kind of made all the wrong decisions. He's like the anti-Forrest Gump. Yeah. Yeah. Forrest Hump, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> but anyways, uh, Charlie, Charlie Manson. Um, Charles Manson was born uh, November 12th, 1934. Um, and he was born to a 16-year-old Kathleen Manson Bauer uh Corinder Maddox. Now, she had all these last names because she was married multiple times. But at the time of uh, Charlie's uh, birth, um, she was known as Maddox. Now, he wasn't always Charles Manson. Did, did you see what his dad's name was? Well, before even that, he was named No Name Manson because the mom didn't give him a name for a couple of what months. What do you mean before his dad? Well, before like his dad was <laughs> even in the picture. Oh, okay. Or one of his dads, because that's an interesting story in itself. But he was born in Cincinnati, and on his first official first birth certificate, it just reads No Name Maddox. And it read that way for a couple of months. Dude, his, his dad's name was Colonel Scott. Yeah. And like yeah. apparently he was just a drifter, and like nobody really knew anything about him, which is already like mysterious as fuck. This is like the devil coming in and impregnate some woman. Yeah. You know, it, like <laughs> the devil at Aldo's. <laughs> yeah. Th- dude, we got to do a story about the devil at Aldo's, but it was like, dude, he's like the fucking Anakin Skywalker of like, mm-hmm. of fucking, I guess cult leaders really, but it's fucking He's nuts. the chosen one. Yeah. He's a chosen cult leader. <laughs> yeah. He's so iconic. You know, even the name Charles Manson, who's that Charles Bronson or whatever that, yeah. that, uh, fucking buff ass prisoner. It's kind of like that. The name is so iconic. It's two things. It's like Charles Manson. And it's mm-hmm. like, it's, well, I guess everyone's name, most people's names are two things, but most people's names don't fucking like sound like. Sends shivers down people's yeah, spines. You yeah. Can, you can put that on a shirt and people would be like, that's a cool sounding shirt logo. The interesting about Colonel, um, Colonel Walker, what was his name? Henderson or whatever. Um, the, cool, the weird thing about him is, or the pimp thing about him actually is that he would go around <laughs> drifting, right? And going town from town saying that he was a part of the military. That's why he was called Colonel. But Colonel was actually his given name. He would just use that as kind of like his opening line. Like, I'm, sir, I say, sir, I am Colonel Walker Henderson. <laughs> and so um, 
I guess, you know, he elopes with <laughs> Miss Maddox. How many kids do you think he has out there, man? 64, at least. 64, yeah. At least. That's dude, what man. I was thinking. Because, I mean, you got to hit her, like, at the right time of the month, you know? And, like, that's got to be... What, how much dick was he? Sl- well, they're 16-year-olds, so I don't know. <laughs> she was. It's, she was 16, wasn't Yeah, she, she was 16. Uh, and when you do a, um, some light research, they always put Mar- or Marilyn Manson, Charles Manson's mom, as a prostitute. Now, I couldn't find anything to support it. She just seemed like she was just a bad seat herself. I did see that she was prostituting herself to get drugs. I think that was later on, though. But at this time, 16 years old, like she was just like running away, trying to go to like local dive oh, bars. Because yeah. they grew up like in she grew up in Cincinnati. Too, she was into like shitty pop punk bands at the time. <laughs> she still hadn't gotten into like the hardcore shit yet. Yeah, because pop punk existed. Right yeah, there. <laughs> yeah, this is how I imagine it. I'm trying to put it into like modern day perspectives. Pop so punk, she, dude, gateway drug to to uh, fucking murders and shit. Dude. She was like, so 1934. So like, what she what was she into? Like fucking 22 Skidoo and the fucking. <laughs> That's the pop punk of whatever. <laughs> <laughs> There's Satan in black those eyeliner bars. and shit. No, it was that black eyeliner, but it was a black trumpeter that, that she oh, was listening to. Dude, if to. you wore a black bow, isn't this where like women couldn't wear pants? Yeah, she was probably wearing pants, dog. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's like she was probably riding a horse with both Not with each leg. Yeah, yeah like, fucking. Oh. What the fuck, a floozy? She's probably not a virgin. Yeah. So I'm, I'm assuming with all of that said, like that's the reason why she gets the stigma as being a prostitute at this time. Yeah. But to me, like everything that I was seeing, like concrete evidence wise, it was more or less just like, oh, she got around and she liked to sneak out of the house and go to dive bars and have older gentlemen fucking buy her uh, drinks because Colonel Walker Henderson was 24. So this dude was like. What? This eight is like, years older than yeah, her. Yeah, eight years older than her. And for a 16-year-old, like, when I was in high school, like, looking at the 18-year-olds, they look like fucking cavemen compared to me. And, like, you can only imagine, okay, a 16-year-old girl with a 24-year-old man, like, this is, like, some hardcore fucking Neverland shit right here that's going but on. But, see, if you really think about it, is it that crazy? Because, like, this is this time period where, like, even, like... Who's that dude that wrote that, like, Great Balls of Fire? This one, like, people you said, oh, like, Little ate their... No, 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 no. Um, the white guy. Oh, yeah. my God. Um, uh, but Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee Lewis. Like, Jerry Lee Lewis was, like, married to his 13-year-old cousin. Like, this is, like, that that time period, like, you know, I don't want to sound racist, but, like, white America during that little, like, that Dixie Hot time period, whatever it's called, like... Dude, <laughs> Dixie were, Hot time? What the fuck? Dixie Hot. Dixie Hot's a style of music. I okay. assume that that's what they were listening to. It's yeah. like southern jazz rock. But anyways, hmm. so like um, I would assume that that's when like it was kind of normal to see like a fucking 25-year-old man dating a 13-year-old girl just because like that's – and it was his cousin and it wouldn't be that weird. And it's, it's kind of interesting you say that because I was watching um, a documentary on Netflix about cult leaders and so happened, you know, Charles Manson was a part of it. Um, but I, like that's a big thing with like within cults is like having you know an older man take on you know younger women like there was one I believe it was the FLDS uh, church like where he would like appropriate people's wives and not only appropriate their wives but appropriate like their 10 12 11 year old daughters so like that was a very common thing uh. and then uh, where um, Kathleen was concerned she grew up in one of these um, uh, re- religious sternly religious homes where like the man was like no matter what even if he was doing something wrong he was always right so if he wanted to molest a 10 year old that was okay because he was the man of the house so I, I forgot what the actual like sect of that religion was 
but it was like one of those like super hardcore like cons- super conservative uh, right wing Christian um, Southern Baptist churches or whatever. Where it's just like nope, whatever the man does, okay, as long as he takes care of you, and makes you an honest woman, and marries you, then that's that's what happens. Like that's okay. Yeah, I remember those days. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, so <laughs> Kathleen's pregnant, and uh, Colonel Walker tells her, and this is how he would skip out, like on all these women that he would impregnate, is he'd be like, oh, duty calls, I gotta go. And so, like, he told... The Navy's calling me. Yeah, or the Air Force, <laughs> or the fucking Army, or whatever. President, and, I can't, I don't know what time. Probably Eisenhower. I, President Eisenhower. Yeah, let's just say yeah, Eisenhower. That sounds right. <laughs> He's calling me to duty. And so he would, like, uh, leave for four months and then move on to the next city and start slinging dick somewhere else. And so it was about this time she was four months pregnant. She realized, like, oh, Colonel's not writing me anymore. He's not coming back. So what she does is she finds and marries William Eugene Manson four months into her pregnancy. And then when she has Charles, he uses her surname, his surname as Manson four months later on the birth certificate. So this is how he gets the name Manson is from William Eugene Manson. Hell yeah. <laughs> Which is interesting because like this is before like, you know, I mean, you hear the name Manson and it's almost like equivalent with Satan or something like that. Like yeah. Marilyn Manson. You know, it's like, it's just like, oh, you know, that's a hardcore name. But back then it was just like this guy, that was just his, yeah. his thing. Have you, you guys know? ever met anyone with the name Manson? No. Oh, oh actually not. It's not. It seems like it would be a really common name. And what's crazy about William, though, is is that he was actually trying to do the honest thing. Like, And he was, I think, 24 as well. So, I mean, he was picking up on a six-year-old pregnant woman, so he wasn't too innocent. But he was trying to do the right thing. Like, he, he met this girl. I'm sure she conned him into, you know, marrying him somehow. Like, oh, I'm pregnant. You got me. You, yo, you got you to gotta make me an honest woman and whatnot. So, I'm sure that was going on, and he was doing the right thing. Because as uh, legend goes, like, what she would happen. <laughs> well, legend what happened is. It. He would be at home with Charlie and whatnot, and then she would be out with her brother or brother, um, you know, drinking, and be, and she would be gone for days, weeks, and months, if, if not. And um, after a while, William was like, you know what? I'm believing this is crazy bitch. And, like, she actually is getting a, He gets a divorce from her for um, failure to, uh, you know, commit to her duties. So I guess that was, like, an optional uh, divorce. wifely duties? Yeah. I think guess that was a, an optional divorce. She wasn't packing me in lunch. <laughs> Yeah, so she was always gone. So she, basically, she would just leave Charles, you know, with her, either the grandparents, the aunt, or with this surrogate father figure, and then just take off for weeks drinking. So I'm curious now, and I didn't do it, but I'm I'm very curious to know, like, did anybody look into her upbringing or like her? You know what? It's like, kind of, I was she's hard. kind of an interesting. I wanted to character. try to find more into her and Colonel Scott, but I couldn't really find anything. Everything. Jacob's right. I kept finding things about her being a prostitute and things like that. Like her teenage years. I'm pretty sure we'll get into the story of like her in the diner. But mm-hmm. things like that kept popping up. I couldn't find anything about her parents or anything like that. The only thing I could find is that she just grew up in a very strict household. And it was like one of those households like I was alluding to earlier. It was just like, okay, it was very strict and conservative. And she was just rebelling against it. Like she was just a nonstop rebel against it. And that's the only thing I could find besides like the rumors that, oh, she was a prostitute. But then like Art was saying, you know, if you did, if you wore pants and you were a girl during this time period, oh, you were a whore. 
at this, you know, because you wore men's clothing or you were a lesbian or whatnot. Yeah. And, like, you would, you would hold that stigma around forever. Isn't there, a, like, a passage in the Bible, you guys know the Bible more than I do, that talks about, like, women not wearing men's clothes? Um, you guys know? You I know guys there's know the, the one about men not having their hair long. Men not having their hair long. Not, I mean, someone might be able to cite it. I don't remember that off the top of my head. Elizabeth Jackman, get on that shit. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah. But basically, you're you're in a time period too, where it's just like the men were men and the women were women. It was very, very um, gender specific. You yeah. knew your role during this time Definitely. period. And she was one of those girls, like fuck that. Like I'm not gonna be like that. Which plays later on into Manson's uh, life later on. Yeah. So I mean. It not even that much longer. I don't know how much longer how, what the gap is, but at this point, you know, the the the, the story I was alluding to earlier was mm-hmm. um, her being at a diner. At this point, she's kind of still living that wild life. This is her My Chemical Romance phase, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> she's like full on painting her nails black, but um, <laughs> she's with little Charles Manson at a diner, mm-hmm. and I guess she sells him to a waitress for a pitcher of beer. Yeah, the waitress says, that's sure, sure a cute kid. Like, it makes kind of like the joke, like, how much, you know, like, how much would it take to be like, and she was By like, the way, that's a joke we all make every day when we see children, right? Yeah. So, not that weird. <laughs> <laughs> I know every time I see a strange kid, I ask how much. Uh, <laughs> fucking leader of Dr. Pepper. <laughs> yeah. But, like, I'll the, take the mom, like, tried to legitimately. So, yeah, yeah, the bartender was just joking, like, oh, a cute kid, how much for the, the cute kid, right? And she goes, I don't know, give me a picture I, of beer and we'll talk about it. That guy was not joking. What the fuck? How do you make that joke? I don't know. No, but it was a girl. Wasn't it a girl? Yeah, it was part? a girl. Yeah, a girl. Still, part. I'm pretty sure that was not a joke. I don't know if history has, like, retold. I don't know how that comes up in a natural conversation. But it's like, how do we get to the point where it's like, how much for the kid? Well, obviously she wasn't kidding because she actually got the pitcher of beer. Yeah, no, gave I up know. little Charles Manson, which is weird. Okay, who takes a fucking child to the bar? Okay, like that, I know that was a thing back in the day for sure. Wow, uh, like my my grandpa used to take my uncle into the bar and he'd get him a soda and he'd have a beer and then maybe you know here like, take a little sip. But of that. Wasn't, little wasn't sip that, of that also when like bars you would also have like milkshakes and shit in them? Yeah, like it was it was more. I don't want to say it's kid friendly, but family friendly. It's just. The parents are going to drink and like, we're bringing our kid in here. You can get a milkshake with a shot of bourbon in it. Why not? (laughs) Welcome (laughs) to Moe's Tavern. (laughs) I just, Uh, they weren't as strict back then. Like, you know, and parents weren't about like their kids as much. I don't think like, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Like I wasn't alive, but the way that I feel like that stuff happened, it's like when the kid was like, oh, I don't like that. And you know, I don't like broccoli. It's like, eat it or you're not going to get anything versus like today where it's like, well, little Johnny is, he starts acting up. So he's gluten intolerant, we think. So we keep him on a strict, <laughs> no dairy, no gluten, no, you know, and like, oh, maybe your kid's just misbehaving because, you know, whatever, some other factor. But no, like he starts being really bad when we feed him gluten, you know, and it's like, <laughs> I, I feel like millennial parents are like, you know watch like you get every, i'm gonna get so much hate right now but because everybody listening is a millennial parent but i'm gonna be a millennial parent i mean <laughs> oh, well your kid already can't eat dairy or gluten then i'm sorry bro. fuck that i no, will like, say dairy dairy ain't no joke man i had the fucking farts all day because i had a bowl of cereal last night <laughs> but you could always have uh soy no soy has been demonized too so uh Almond milk is popular. Oh, dude, that's disgusting, dude. That's paleo I'd rather friendly, drink dude. my own jizz <laughs> than do that. It is a form of milk. Uh, <laughs> anyways, I digress. All right, that. guys, so that's the episode for today. 
Go ahead, Jacob. No, anyways, apparently she wasn't kidding, though, because this lady um, had actual little Charles Manson, and I guess the uncle had to go fucking swindle uh, little Charles Manson back from this fucking this psychotic fucking bar hop. Yeah. Dang. So, like, he he lived with his uncle for a while, right? Who was a super religious dude. Like mm-hmm. seems the whole like family was the whole seemed... family seems so normal. They just had like the one black sheep that they were did afraid to hit because sometimes you had to hit kids. Yeah, I'll say it. Yeah, no. Adrian y- Peterson's raising his kids right. So you think that if Charles Manson had just gotten beaten more, that he might have been better? No, but I think that <laughs> you have to have discipline. I think whenever you have one extreme, I think that well, we'll get into that later, but. Uh, you know, I do yeah. think you have to have some disciplines and in, in, in any anything in, in life in general, like we have to have a system of checks and balances. And I feel like there was all people trying to balance without checking. And was, yeah. And so another thing happened, too. So after she gets divorced, um, she, you know, goes on one of her drinking sprees and she needs she this again. She's in this time frame where you have to be married. If you're a woman that's not married, you know, something's wrong with you. So she's out there conning men, you know, like at the bar. And I guess the story goes that her and her brother met a guy and were talking to him. And she was like, oh, okay, he's flaunting his wealth at the bar. You know, he's buying everybody drinks and whatnot. And so she tells her brother and she says, hey, this man has too much money for one man. You know, let's rob this motherfucker, basically. Mm-hmm. And so she goes to rob him. And the brother, you know, they knock him out and they take his wallet and whatnot. And they're running off with the wallet. And the wallet only has $27 in it. So what happens? They both get arrested. And then Charles Manson's mother goes to jail for five years. And then Charles Manson gets passed around at this time from, you know, his grandparents to his aunt and his uncle to, you know, just random uh, relatives. And he seemed to be flourishing under that, like living in a relatively, like, um, stable home at this point. Was it when he was living with his grandparents? Was when he was pretty stable. He didn't seem to act out too much when he lived with his grandparents. And they said too, yeah, like he when he would go to church, like he was a, a wonderful singer. And then a couple of his cousins said, you know what, like he was a really shy, reserved boy. Um, but you know he would have like these outrageous outbursts at times. Like he would get super mad, and that you know, hey, he would fly off the handles and just take it just a little bit too far. I guess one cousin said that. You know, hey, they were playing a game and he got mad because he lost and he lashed out by taking like a switch and like hit her straight up in the face with it. Yeah. So I was just like, okay, that like he just like a little bit extra to put it in millennial terms. The only time that, you know, there's really any reference to like him having a shitty time as a kid is at one point because he is getting moved home to home because his mom's in prison. Mm-hmm. Uh, he ends up living with his uncle for a while and his uncle was probably the most strict of all of them, you know? And I think his uncle makes him wear a dress to school to, like, learn. Oh, wow. Yeah, he sends him to school wearing a dress. And basically so he can, like, get the shit kicked out of him to the point where he learns to fight back. Mm -hmm. And eventually uh, Charles kind of really takes to his uncle. His uncle, like, becomes his hero for a while just because he kind of toughened him up. He went from, like, this very unstable, chaotic way of living to, like, hey, we're going to do this my way. We're going to, like, you're going to learn to fight. You're going to learn to be, like, a tough guy, basically. And he what started off really shitty, like, turned out to be, like, really good for him for a while. Because I think at this point, his mom starts to gain release from prison. Yeah, so, and this is all, like, before he's even five years old. So when he's seven years old, his mother gets paroled in 1942. And I think at this time, like you said, yeah, he was living with his aunt and uncle in West Virginia, which is not the most racially friendly area oh, yeah. of the nation so um he was about seven years old when his mom gets paroled 
And this is when he starts to act out again because he starts becoming a truant, which means he starts to miss school. And this is where he learns how to, you know, engage in petty theft. So he's stealing from the supermarket. You know, his mom's, you know, going to Alcoholic Anon- Alcoholics Anonymous. So she's bringing him around, you know. Okay, these are people that are trying to do better with their life, but they're still not the best people to be around. So he's learning, you know, the ways of the street. You know, he's, you know, pickpocketing people. You know, he's becoming at at seven years old. You, you know what kept running through my mind when I was doing that part of the research is I feel like this was almost like that. Let the boys be boys kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Like this very like Huckleberry Finn type of shit where like <laughs> yeah. he's stealing apples and candy bars. Like, yo, he's just a boy. Dennis like, the Menace kind of y- thing. Yeah, I feel like there was the, you know, not so much now, but, you know, during this time period, I'm sure there was a little bit of the boys will be boys kind of thing, you know, like looking up a girl's skirt kind of thing, you know, it's like very like things that were kind of like shitty now, like there would be total red flags now if, a chi- if your child was this shitty kid, you know, like it would be a total red flag. Like maybe we should start looking into counseling. (laughs) But at the time, it's like, take them off gluten. Yeah. (laughs) This is some very like, um, very like, I feel like very like Huckleberry Finn type of thing. Mm-hmm. Like as it seemed like what's not Huckleberry Finn. Who is Huckleberry Finn's friend? Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer. Tom Sawyer had a way more like adult like book and his life was up to this point was very similar to like this, like I'm going to see a dead body today kind of thing. You know, like mm-hmm. it was, it was that kind of, kind of lifestyle. So that's what I was thinking during this time period. It was, it almost seemed like it fit the era very, very well. Like even the getting sent to school wearing a dress type of thing. But then, like, he would always be put in these situations where he would have, like, you know, that strong uncle or, you know, that father figure that would come into his life and, you know, kind of give him, like, hey, you're going down the wrong path. Because at this point, you know, his mom started, you know, searching for other homes to put him in, like like an all-boys home and then even looking for foster homes or whatnot. And there was accounts, too, like, you know, he would get, you know, involved with the church and, like, he would have, you know, priests and whatnot, like, kind of show him – you know, basically how to, to be an upstanding citizen. So, like, give him the skills in life. Because they, they saw that, you know, okay, his mom wasn't a steady figure in his life. And what they would do is, like, okay, this is how you're going to be able to fend for yourself later on. Because you're not obviously not going to be able to rely on this woman to provide a sturdy household for you. So, here's how you're going to be able to take care of yourself. And what he would do is, is he would find what he liked about it, but continue to do the bad. But adopt the evil. Or adopt one of the things that's good to to manipulate others i I think it's really interesting and it just kind of dawned on me as you were saying that but you know this is a guy that kind of for the most part grew up without a father Mm -hmm. and he basically spent his life up until later on in the life we'll get we'll get there collecting these father figures and collecting like people that he kind of took as role models of like this is how leadership works and this is how you get people to follow you and, like, you know, his uncle of, like, being, like, we have to be very stern. Any sign of, like, wiggle room shows weakness type of thing. And, like, you know, the priests that were, like, you know, religion is the key type of thing. You know, so mm-hmm. every one of his father figures that he kind of takes on throughout his life has this very, like, set way of, like, here's the road. Any wavering off that road is total danger. Don't do it. Mm-hmm. Follow me or, or, or like, there'll be consequences. Or, not, you know, like, you know follow me or else type of thing, you know, like that's, that's the leadership he learned. And so, you know, it starts to make sense down the road, but it just hit me as you were saying that I was like, yeah, this is a guy that's been collecting father figures. And like, it kind of makes sense when it gets to the point of like, you know, now I'm an adult, I'm going to take on this role. Mm -hmm. And at this point, I think he's only like nine or 10 years old. And 
I mean, for myself, okay, Keith, you saw it. Um, when my dad left the picture when I was seven, like you do, you start adopting, you start finding things you like in other, you know, older people to be that parental figure. You know, my mom was busy working, not to say that she wasn't around, but she was, but like, you still need like that male influence. So like you would see people like, Oh, I really like Shaquille O'Neal. He's funny. He's cool. Like, I want to be like that. I want to be funny. I want to be cool, but also want to be like the leader of whatever I'm doing. Right. I like that. I want to be like that. Then you would also see, oh, I like the rock, you know? And so you would like adopt these like faux father figures. I mean, fortunately for myself, like for the most part, they were positive role models. But you see Charles Manson, like, yeah, he would have like priests or uncle or whatnot. But the the fucked up thing about him, though, is is that he would take the little that he liked from him, like the positive influence on that, but then spin it his own way to nurture his, you know, petty theft habits or to to further his own, you know, agenda at that time. Yeah, even, I mean, so he eventually ends up in that boy's home, right? Mm -hmm. One of many, because, like, one of the first incidences that that he has in a boy's home is where he, like, steals a car with his friend, another person that he kind of looked up to, another, like, male figure that he looked up to named Blackie Nelson, which... Did you did you find him at all? Is he black? No, <laughs> okay, I wasn't sure if that was totally racist or that, that was just his head? nickname. I assume he had black hair. Yeah, and that's why they called him Blackie Nelson. It's Archie's Jughead yeah. or something like that. Something yeah. like that. Anyways, uh, he had a black. Fuck eye. it, he's black. He constantly had a black eye, and that's why they called him <laughs> Blackie Nelson. But he looks up to Blackie Nelson, and he like steals a car with Blackie Nelson and does all this shit where it's like, mm-hmm. again, it's very like Huckleberry Finn type of shit where it's like, it's kind of innocent, but not really because people can get really hurt doing this shit. But, you know, he's following these like male figures that just like mm-hmm. constantly enter his life. Also, it says here Nielsen. Is it Blackie Nielsen or does it actually pronounce Nelson? I saw that it was called Nelson, but it could be Nielsen. Oh, okay. I was just reading it, you know, so I don't know. Yeah. And then so eventually he, he gets arrested and he gets into the Indiana Boys School um, now the difference between these this school and the other schools that he went to, the other schools were more or less like religious schools where they would try to you know instill morals into him. But the Indiana Boys School, when you look at you know the history of it, it was a very rough, almost like you're in servitude basically. So he this is where he starts to get like this hardened soul. Um, it's basically prison for kids. And so they have them working out in the fields, you know, wait in the water, you know, fucking, you know, basically they're slaves, right? Okay, uh, that's Black the reference. I knew, I thought you were making that <laughs> reference, but I wasn't sure. Yeah, so he's, he's Django at this time. Let my people go. It was either that or smoke on water. I was like, what is he referencing? <laughs> but at the Indiana Boys School, um, a lot, a lot of the boys there, this is the worst of this the worst. This is definitely the darkest times. Mm-hmm. And... The, a lot of the boys, they would bully and pick on and even rape the smallest and weakest of the group. And he was definitely the smallest. He, he was, was definitely very the smallest. Because small. at full fucking strength, Charles Manson was only five foot two. Now, he's only about 12 years old at this time, so you can only imagine. Maybe he's 4'6", maybe he's 4'5". Remember that kid, Kelton, we went to that school oh, with? Oh, yes. That's what I kept thinking of, dude. Fucking Kelton. Like, yeah. Kelton was little. Kelton found a way to, like, fucking, like, leech his way onto, like, not getting bullied, though. Yeah, because he had personality. Or, quote, unquote, personality. Personality. Quote, unquote. He, he was a Jay Leno of junior high. <laughs> <laughs> so, basically, what me and Art are referencing is this kid that we went to school with. Very Charles Manson-like in the fact that he was very small- <laughs> Very awkward. 
I, racially, I don't know what he was. I think he was like half black, half like Indian or something. Something weird. So like he was, he was kind of the outcast, but he would always find his way in with like the cool girls and the cool guys or whatever because he would tell like these corny jokes and whatnot. He, you could tell he stayed up all night like watching fucking Chris Rock videos trying to like <laughs> sound cool the next day or whatever. Not even what, Chris whatever Rock. was cool at the time, like fucking in living color or some shit. I know he had like the Jacksonville Jaguars jacket, so like he was cool oh, because those he had like that. starter jackets. Yeah, and then Jacksonville Jaguar at the time they were like the hot team for a while. Yeah. So speaking of Kelton, the hot team. So the way Charles Manson, little Charles Manson, figured little Charlie. his yeah, little Charlie figured out how to fit in and keep the boys away is he would play this game called the insane game so basically he would flail yeah you see the diane sawyer interview you know where charles manson's jumping up on the desk and he's flailing his arms around in the air and he's talking crazy and whatnot and he makes his eyes go in the back of his head and he gets all crazy and that's how people how he would divert people away from you know trying to rape him or bully him or even beat him up this is what's that fish that expands itself really big oh the puffer Puffer fish. puffer fish dude that's a total puffer fish move yeah so and it's, it's like his fight or flight instincts coming out in him as well. Yeah, this is you know where you, like dogs will cover their genitals with their tails type of thing. <laughs> yeah, it's that whole thing. And, and like speaking of genitals, um, th- during this same time period, like this, he was like gang raped by a bunch of boys at the, at that at that school, mm-hmm. and like he full on. This is kind of where he like started snapping. It was very dark, uh, very dark time period for him. And, like, I guess while one of those boys was asleep, he, like, beat the shit out of him with, like, an iron rod oh, to wow. the point of almost killing him. So, like, I, I feel like he didn't kill him because he never killed anyone. <laughs> I never found any stories of him killing anyone. But he, like, almost killed that fucking kid with, with an iron rod. But, I mean, can you blame him, though? Because I'm going to no. beat your ass with a fucking iron no, rod as well, too. of course not. I mean, what did that kid expect? Don't fall asleep around someone you just raped. Yeah, so here's another thing, too. Like, if we just stop his life right here. Let's just say, you know, somebody had a magic bolt and they can go back in time and kill Charles Manson right here. He's already damaged goods at this point. Like, he's got a fucked up, you know, early child, or basically front since birth, right? You know, he's no name. He's had two different fathers at four months old. You know, his mom's in and out of jail. He's getting passed around from relative to relative. He's being indoctrinated by, you know, this hardcore, you know, fucking sexist, you know, sect of religion. And... He's he's being raped by children his own age. Like you talk to anybody within the Me Too movement, you know. You know what? It wasn't just kids his own age too. It was people that actually worked at that. Oh wow! Yeah, so they, it was like adults also like molesting kids. That place was one of like the the shittiest places because you know the the people in power were molesting kids. Kids were molesting kids. It was just like it was Neverland Ranch. Yeah, it was Neverland Ranch, dude. It was it was some dark shit, man. And the sad thing about it is, like, I guarantee shit like that is still going on today. Oh, I Kid, guarantee kids it. Kids in yeah. like in the foster system and adoption systems and all that shit. Those are kids that are like rarely ever spoken about, and they're like in the shittiest situations with like sh- mm-hmm. not all. I think I think there's some fantastic like parental figures running like foster homes and things like that. But there's some shitty people out there like that take advantage of these kids. That, these are like the basically children with no voices so mm-hmm. like kids, kids that shit's still happening today i just want to i just want to put a spotlight on that shit there's a charles manson being born right now going through that shit right now oh yeah definitely and my whole point of like stopping it right there you talk to people that are going you know in the whole me too movement right they maybe they got raped once or twice in their adulthood you talk to people who've been you know raped or a couple times by an uncle or whatnot 
you know, in, in their childhood as well, and they don't have the extra stuff that happened in the beginning, like they're still fucked up in the head as well. So you have this person that's basically been set up to fail. Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's pretty dramatic. I, I, I imagine like anyone that's ever been through something like that, it's, you know, the Me Too movement isn't just... I don't want to just discard like, oh, you only got raped once or twice. Whatever. No, yeah, I don't yeah. mean it like yeah. that. But no, I, I didn't think you did, but I'm just saying like, like it's tough. Like the, we have we have this whole movement going on based on mm-hmm. like, on like how you know these traumatic instances, like traumatic things that happen in people's lives need to need to be explored more so you can stop them and like mm-hmm. prevent and and really teach like young men and women to like respect respect each other. Yeah. Um, but um yeah i mean this guy had so much shit going on to the point where like by age 15 he takes a psych test did you see the 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 results of his psych test where Mm -hmm. it's like he was labeled as like ultra aggressive antisocial and antisocial by the way i think a lot of people don't really know it's a huge spectrum though yeah so antisocial what it really means it doesn't mean you don't like people it means like you basically don't have sympathy sympathy for other people like Mm -hmm. you know like that's gone and at some point you know like everyone's seen that movie where like i can kind of relate to that i kind of like you know like we see a child being hurt you know you feel those things you know like the the even the the cries of a child should like give you some type of reaction even if you can't see it. it's like a psychological thing where it's like that's clearly something in trouble like it's smaller than me i should probably like at least take a look what's going on like he didn't have that shit that's that's the antisocial part of it it's not so much that you don't like people I just wanted to point that out because I think my sister would hate me if I didn't point out <laughs> what antisocial actually meant. But he did have like higher levels of like I think it was uh, higher aptitude towards music. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, his skill set with music was like really high. And that's that thing too, like where we have different sections of the brain, where it's just like one section of the brain emotionally might be severely damaged, but another side of the brain. It's kind of like when somebody use, loses like their their sight or you know, they're hearing or whatever, another sense gets amplified. So for him, another sense was, okay, his artistic side, even though he might not be fucking John Lennon or Paul McCartney, mm-hmm. you know, got amplified here because it was just like, okay. And you see that a lot in music. You know, a lot of, like, our favorite artists have been traumatically, you know, and emotionally injured, you know, but they end up being some of the greatest artists of all time. I mean, Chester what, Bennington, like, dude, yeah, yeah, like lots of bad stuff happened to him. I mean, watch Purple Rain. I mean, that's that's some deep shit right there. And it created the one of the greatest artists, if not the greatest artist, Prince. So, I mean, yeah, th- I can totally see Charles Manson having all of these traits come out in him. Yeah, I mean, and then they start to really come out once he turns once he eventually ends up in a uh, in a boy's home in Virginia. Um, I don't know if you have the name of that boys' home in Virginia, but the one in DC. Uh, yeah. Is it DC? I saw that it was in Virginia, where he he. That's the same player. <laughs> oh, sorry, Virginia, DC. Uh, anyway, so like he he rapes an, another boy at this point, and he holds a razor blade to the to his neck, mm-hmm. and at this point he's like full on acting, like you know, acting out, and that is one of those things like victim turned victimizer you know you want to have that control again so i could see you know those boys in the boys home were probably the older boys picking on the smaller boys because you want that sense of control back to Mm -hmm. like take advantage of someone smaller than yourself especially for a boy you know like when you've been indoctrinated to be like okay you have to be in control of your own home how are you going to be able to control your woman if you can't even control another guy that's trying to rape you in the ass like you can you can see, I mean, I don't condone it, but you can see how his mind would start to think like that. Like, oh, shit. Like, I am deficient. Like, you brought up Chester Bennington as well. That's something he struggled with, like, immensely with, you know, with, you know, 
um, his molestation as a child. And then he would became an advocate for that later on. But yeah, um, he, he tried to escape from the school about three or four times. And when he actually got put up for parole to get out, that's when he was caught, like literally when he was getting taken to his parole hearing to, <laughs> to be released on his 18th birthday, that's where they found him raping his cellmate with a knife to his throat. Yeah. And they said, you know what? Wait, could- Manson raped his cellmate? Yeah. His he, male cellmate? So male cellmate. I didn't know he even had like any of that stuff going on. See, oh, yeah. I didn't know that either, yeah. but it makes sense. Mm-hmm. So like, what I'm getting or what I'm seeing at this point is we've got a guy who has no understanding of what it is to be a man because he has no father in his mm-hmm. life. He kind of has some guys, but they're in and out. Yeah. He has no love of a mother. I think even those of us who like maybe don't have like a you know stable father figure or whatever, we still kind of know what the love of a mother is like. His mom tried to sell him for a pitcher of beer, dude. Yeah. So like if you put that on like a level of like, I mean, he's just not even like he has none of that basis for like I'm ever taken care of, loved, valued, nothing his entire mm-hmm. life. And then he's just crapped on by society. I'm not going to like say like he didn't make bad choices, but it this starts to bring out a different picture of like why he probably had very low empathy or he was a sociopath or whatever. Mm-hmm. Cause it's like everybody, nobody cares about me. Like where would he develop those feelings? Yeah. It's like he was raised by wolves. You know, he's like, yeah. he's just like, Ugh. yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's <laughs> definitely the world he was growing up in. Like, you know, at a certain age, you're, you become the, the molestee becomes the molester. And like he, that's what he saw. I mean, yeah. It was it was a circle of life for him at the time. <laughs> it's crazy though. Yeah. yeah. And um another thing too to add on to like that that psychological test, he actually um had an IQ of one hundred and nine, which you know the nation's average at that time was one hundred. So he was slightly I mean, a lot of people exaggerate be like, Oh, he was this this savant, you know, an idiot savant basically. But it was like, no, he was nine points above average, which is still He's, you can say that he is above average intelligence. So what, what was uh, the fucking Unabomber? He was like, like fucking 45 points yeah. above average. It was like average. 140 or plus, something like that. Yeah, yeah so he's a super intelligent yeah. guy. So um, imagine he was above average. Um, but he, you know, he got caught, you know, trying to rape his cellmate on his way to be paroled out on his 18th birthday. And so what they said, you know what? You're too, you're too wild. You're too crazy. Um, we're going to keep you here until age 21. And so he was um, transferred, actually, to a maximum security facility um, and was released. He wasn't released yet until 1954, until he was 20 years old, because, you know, society was changing and the prison population was growing. So he actually that got was, to That get was the craziest thing. When he gets released from that prison, you see what he tells the guards. He tells everyone, like, no, don't release me. I'm not fit to be in society. Mm-hmm. He's like, this is the biggest mistake you'll ever do, releasing me. Yeah, because oh, at this boy. point, he had spent... Just about his whole life yeah, in some like kind of institution. 20 years at this point, right? Yeah, he's 20 years old and he spent basically since he was seven years old. He's probably had like five years of like actual free time out in the world. And then I, I don't know about you, but like when you're a child, like I remember when I was 16, like two years felt like an eternity. You know, four years, which is your whole high school career, felt like an eternity. And then when I'm thinking about college, it's like, shit, I got to go do four years of college and then four more years if I want my, you know, you know, masters or doctors or whatever. So it's like, fuck, that's like most of my life right there. And so for him, 
this is like a good 80, 90% of his life that he's been institutionalized. Mm-hmm. And like you were saying, Keith, like there's no, when you're institutionalized, there's no love of a father. There's no love of a mother. There's not even a love of a grandmother or, or that uncle or even like that priest that was trying to show you the way. Mm-hmm. This is just yeah. the worst of society and then just security guards yeah. and... He had glimpses of it. He, 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 he got to see it. He got to see what it was like, but at the same time, it kept getting taken away. Mm-hmm. Mostly by his mom being kind of shitty and pulling him out of those situations, but... Yeah. Plus, he had no like basis. Like, okay, I think those of us that like abide by the rules of society, it's because we believe in them. Like, you know, I don't get, I don't go out on the street and like shank people because that's not acceptable for society. But I also expect that like society is going to protect me from that. We're going to have cops and stuff like that. And so you kind of buy into the system to a point. Like, you know, we don't kill each other. We don't rape each other. That's just like how it is. Whereas like, that society failed him because mm-hmm. he goes in, he's put into this place against his will, perceivably. I mean, he tried to escape and stuff where like he's being raped and all these things are happening. And it's like, this is like the system for him. So mm-hmm. of course he's going to be like F the system because like, that's the only system he's known has been something where it just screwed him. Like, mm-hmm. And that's the only so. thing that he can believe in is the system. That's and his you, reality. Yeah. You hear about it all the time. I mean, he gets, uh, what, what, what's the, um, the phrase like, Four or three square in a cot. Four locos. <laughs> <laughs> I hope not, no. Wait, what were you saying? Four hands in a cock? That's cruel and unusual punishment. If you're getting fucking inmates fucking four locos. Four shit. locos in a Jaeger bomb, bro. Dude, that's Ugh. fucking nasty shit. That made my stomach turn right I now. Think, is that what the phrase you were looking for? No, no, no. It was like three meals in a cot or something like that. So, and they get free health care and whatnot. So they're taking better, taking really well care of in, in prison per se. So you don't have to worry about your food. You don't have to worry about where you're going to sleep at. And hey, anything medically wrong with you is going to be taken care of. So for him, when he gets released out into the public, like it's like, okay, I have to fend for myself again. I have a criminal record as long as fucking the... I, I would, okay, really quickly, I kind of I, I kind of agree with you. I wouldn't say that it's like... I'm not condoning this, but I'm not like... saying it, like prison life is cushy is cushy at all by any means what i'm is, trying to say is that you is, see this all the time though with people that are repeat offenders i do think repeat offenders need structure to the point of this is when you wake up this is when you go to bed this is your two hours of yard time this is like mm-hmm. go to bed lights out that's all they that's know that's all like that that kind of structure is the type of structure that someone with a totally chaotic life needs Mm -hmm. and even then that's difficult because you know we start talking about mental illnesses that can develop over time and things like that oh yeah definitely yeah but 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 by no means will like you know one hour of yard time be like oh i'll take that over for free healthcare kind of thing you know (laughs) like there's the prison system is another thing that needs to get fixed it's a whole shitty situation maybe that that develops that's its own episode yeah but yeah i i I, that the prison system is all kinds of shit yeah, but for Charlie though, like that that was all he knew. That's why he was begging to stay in there is because it's just like, okay, I don't have to worry where my, worry about where my meals are at. You know, everything, you know, yeah, I have to fight for my life basically, but it's a fight for my life on the outside as well. And this and, is when Johnny Cash was coming to play at prisons. <laughs> so it must have been pretty sick. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? So it wasn't that bad of a life. I hope Johnny Cash comes next week. <laughs> but he was released in 1954 even though he begged to stay. And in 1955, he lived the American dream, and he got married to Rosalie Willis. Which is, man, what a saint. At the time, it's like, how do you put so much aside? If you if you had a woman in your life, right, and she told you the background of, like, all this shit, half the shit that this dude's been through, would you feel comfortable, like, being like, I, I can I can marry this woman? And then, yeah. <laughs> would, you, would you personally? 
for myself no yeah. like yeah i don't feel like i'm capable of like handling a whole relationship but then again i'm a well-adjusted person in society yeah. but for him though like again you're in society where it's just like if you're not married by now and he's 20 years old up, oh, dude you need to hurry it up dude you gotta you gotta further the seed he's a little guy but he wasn't like a terribly looking ugly guy dude yeah i saw the marriage pictures of this and he looked quite handsome yeah like he looked like he could be i mean not he a cleans up well like was, sasha baron cohen <laughs> <laughs> I will say this. He was better looking than Andrew Luck. Oh, yeah, dude. How did that poll turn out last week? Dude, okay, so sidebar. Um, so there was a poll on the Instagram, and I said last week during our um, NFL preview that I thought Andrew Luck, yeah, he, he doesn't have anything to worry about after retirement because he's a good-looking guy. So I put it to the people, the millions. And millions. Of Art and Jacob listeners out there, um, if they felt that Andrew Luck was a handsome guy. So 426 people responded as of Friday, September 6, 2019. And you know how many of those 426 people said that he was handsome? How many? Zero. So 100% <laughs> of the people out there say that Andrew Luck disagrees yeah, with me. That You're on an island on that one, man. I Th- guess so. There are a few people I would trade like looks with. He's not one of them, man. <laughs> He's not one of them, man. I, okay. I, I stand corrected then. I, I reserve the right to be wrong. But... I will say this, 20-year-old Charles Manson was a handsome dude. Was he Brad Pitt handsome? Nah. He's a little guy, but yeah, he's a good-looking little guy. Yeah, he could pull Rosalie Willis. I'm trying to think, who's who's a famous actor that's little? Zac Efron. Zac Efron's little. I think he's pretty short. Yeah. Um, Frodo Baggins, what's his name? Elijah Elijah Wood. I think he just got Photoshopped looking little. Is he that little? No, I think he's... Like kind of short. He's like oh. five five or something like oh, that. Oh, Tom Hardy. Tom Hardy's like five seven. Yeah, I'm taller than Tom Hardy. Yeah, okay, he's a little yeah. guy. Tom Cruise. Tom Cruise. How tall is he? Five mm, six. Yeah, something like that. Wow, that's little. I want to say somebody else is like five four, and they're like a big deal. Um, I guess um, you know those pictures of like him and Christian Bale of this Tom Hardy and Christian Bale as Bane and Batman. Uh-huh. Like he had to be standing on like a fucking shoebox just to look slightly taller than him. Which is crazy because when you think of Bane, you think of like this mountain of a man, basically the mountain from Game if, of Thrones. If you yeah. ever watch that movie, a lot of those shots are like the camera's like looking up at him to try to make him look taller. God bless. Fuck. What's the, the director's Christopher name? Nolan. Christopher, Christopher Nolan. Christopher Nolan was an amazing director to make little Tom Hardy. Little fucking six foot, five foot seven Tom Hardy. And then uh, fucking Christian Bale's like six foot two, so he's like much taller. Yeah, that's like the difference between Keith and I, like minus an inch on my end and plus an inch on your end. Like it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty massive. But I'm gonna be the Hulk compared to Sasha Baron Cohen over here. <laughs> <laughs> We're gonna hold the camera this way. So God bless. Selfie Christian Instagram bro. girl. <laughs> Angles, bro. Angles. Mm. So he marries uh, uh, Rosalie Willis, gets her pregnant, and you think Charles Manson, okay. His life is finally, finally on the right track. Everything's coming together for old Charlie. Yeah, man. So what does he do? He steals a car and he tries to move her out to California. Well, he was running like a fucking scam at this point. Like he was stealing all kinds of shit. Like he, oh, he had a uh, like a car thief business thing. Like basically, this, like shady, like <laughs> this, like business where he like would steal cars for other people, and then finally he's like, "I'm gonna steal a car and move us to California. We're gonna become rock stars." And so at this point, okay, this is what Charles Manson is. So he go when he goes to jail as a child, he's basically going in for petty theft, like stealing snickerdoodles and fucking. Um, you know, reg- like little like five dollar bills out of the fucking registers at Ralph's, right? So he's a he's a petty thief artist. And to go into your your um, your uh, tangent about pr- the prison system, he's going in as a petty thief, 
and then he comes out a rapist. And then he goes back in for stealing a car, and I guess he um, violates what's called... What's the act here? The uh, Dyer Act. Laws Against Humanity. <laughs> <laughs> he violates what's called the Dyer Act. Is when it's a you know it's basically a low level crime like carjacking. You know, yeah, yeah it is traumatic. If you steal my car, I want to fucking kill you. But the Dyer Act basically said, and this is a time frame like when cars are starting to become America basically at this time. So new laws have to be introduced, and the Dyer Act said that if you steal a car and you take it across state lines, it becomes a hardcore felony, and it's a federal crime. Really? Yeah, hmm. and that's what the Dyer Act was. So he, he violated the Dyer Act, and basically at this time when he did this, he got himself a 10-year jail sentence. It's it's pretty crazy because at this point, um, I don't know how he got into this whole car business, but I guarantee you he had like some kind of fucking salesman in his life that taught him these like tricks to like mm-hmm. sell things because like, if he's hustling cars and he's stealing cars and things like that, and he looks up to all these like fucking like male role models, and like looking, you know, we'll get into probably the next episode. We'll get into the uh, the cult leader side of it, but you know, to sell someone on the idea of like follow me to California in a stolen car, mm-hmm. you know, you don't sell them on the idea of that. You sell them on the idea of what's going to happen when we get there. Yeah, kind of thing. You know, we're going to become rock stars. We're going to movie stars. And California is like jobs everywhere that's that's the promise you know that's that's kind of you sell a car you don't sell people car is a car cars get you from point a to point b and that's it every car is the same yeah unless you're going like fucking car racing type of thing but what you sell people on is you look great in this car fucking people will love you in this car if you don't have this car you're a loser mm. and that's how you sell a car i mean i, I mean that's sorry I've, you know i work at a dealership that's spoiler kinda, alert spoiler alert i hear spoiler. this i hear this shit all the time basically you know let's get you in this car and so, like, <laughs> that's that's the phrase you'll hear the most at any car dealership. And at 1955, like, this was, like, the big migration to California. I remember oh, yeah. even both of our grandparents. Um, yep. the, um, the Beverly Hillbillies were going over there. Exactly, the bubbling crew. Yeah. Um, both of our grandparents, both of our grandmothers, actually, are from Canada, Newfoundland, Canada, which is, like, the easternmost point of North America. And both of our grandparents or grandmothers married a serviceman, and they moved out and my grandpa, he was from Idaho. I don't know where your grandpa was from. Montana. Montana. Oh, wow. So that's where we were next there. door neighbors. <laughs> <laughs> so they weren't from California to begin with, but they met women in, you know, the easternmost point of North America and then moved them out to California around 1955 because that's when my oldest uncle, when he was born as well. So there was this huge migration to California, the California dream that was being sold already to people. So Charles Manson, he's getting out of jail and he's a part of this migration as well. So for whatever reason it was, I didn't see what the reason was, but the fact remains is he stole a car, um, basically from, you know, wherever they were living at, um, let's say Virginia and takes it across state lines. I believe they got as far as Utah. And then that's when they snatched him up and took him to, um, uh, to prison for 10 years. He, he got sent to prison in California, didn't he? Yeah, so I guess he, yeah, so they probably made it to California because he went to Terminal Island in San Pedro. Yeah, that makes sense. So, yeah, so he, he ends up in San Pedro, and this is, like, where he becomes, like, very, very, like, into literature because at some point, you know, you got to take a break from all those rapings. <laughs> so, yeah. so, not you that know, rape's funny, but, yeah. Not that rape's funny, but, you know, he was committing rape himself, mm-hmm. and making fun of rapists is funny. And he actually um, had a chance to get out before his 10 years as well, mm-hmm. but he was he kept getting um, demerits for homosexual acts in prison, yeah. which was crazy because I kept seeing that, like, okay, like, okay, 
he he had chances again he kept getting gifted these chances to get out and he had he at this time before he went into prison rosalie was pregnant and had um his baby i believe it was little charles manson jr yeah that's his name is charles manson jr and um even his mom moved out to california and said that you know you know she was going to be there for the child and eventually rosalie leaves charles manson in prison and promising her oh i'm going to get out soon but getting these demerits that kept him in there it kept his 10-year sentence solidified and eventually rosalie leaves him for another man and we never see rosalie or baby charles little charles manson jr ever i'm again. sure that kid has a different name now oh yeah i'm, I'm chad at this point yeah <laughs> chad manson <laughs> chad manson but, you know but while he's in prison he he finds the fucking l ron hubbard books and oh, starts yes. going down that road of like oh this is interesting and if you don't know who l ron hubbard is check out like episode 30 ish 40 ish 50 or 60 like 60s 69 we'll go with 69 yeah, so 69. i can actually look that up right now yeah. he's because i'm look cool it like that yeah Young but Jamie, yeah. <laughs> young Keithy, look that up. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, L. Ron Hubbard becomes his big influence when he starts getting into Scientology and just religion in general, but especially Scientology, he starts going down that wormhole of like, this is fucking interesting. And so do a lot of people. Like this is Scientology. So if you look at California during this time period, this is that hippie, free love, like let's try all these weird religions and like weird drugs and like everything goes and like if you're not thinking outside the box, then you are the man, You're man. a square, man. I mean, and this is interesting too because earlier in the episode we were talking about everybody was in line like it's it's black or it's white mm-hmm. no racial <laughs> puns intended yeah. but like everything was so straight laced and you learn about this in school as well like you have the establishment which is very you know very conservative very like okay everybody looks alike you know everybody drives the same car everybody buys the same house you know everything's ozzy and harriet and then there was this big youth movement during this time period you know with the beatniks you know that was opposing like you know the korean war and later on the vietnam war and just basically like questioning authority which was a big taboo you know like questioning why you know uh kathleen maddox you know couldn't wear the pants like why am i a whore because i wear pants instead of dresses with poodles on them you know so you had this big youth movement going on and you know you had a lot of these um alternatives whether it be alternatives in religion alternatives in music alternatives even in the movie industry which we will see later even like at this time period that's when uh san francisco started becoming like a hotbed for gurus gurus i was gonna say homosexuality <laughs> but and it's true to, still yeah. to this day like castro street is like like the gayest place on earth and i don't mean that in like a negative way at all mm-hmm. but it's it's kind of like the capital of like you know the lgbtq community and like it, and california became that after that at this point like we we accept everyone in california and everything go not everything goes but like you know we, we're always the on the cutting edge of like Progress. pro- progressive thinking and things like that what so, you got for us, Keith? Uh, episode 57, Scientology. Oh, it, so close. It was put out July 21st of last year. Sweet. I so. remember listening to that episode. It was good. I remember crying. It's a good, I, I just cried myself to sleep. <laughs> I thought of John Travolta. I looked at his picture <laughs> on my wall. Speaking. <laughs> <laughs> so Charles Manson, he starts to read you know, Scientology and whatnot. And I believe it said here, too, that he had done like 150 um audits and then he kind of like let it go because believe it or not the church of scientology was quote too crazy for charles manson now put that into perspective (laughs) wow religion in general is like crazy and like i don't know i think we got into that in the in the scientology episode but i think you know (laughs) 
year. <laughs> I just remember you being like, well, I don't, I'm not really religious. So like Christianity, Mormonism, whatever, they're all pretty much the same as Scientology to me. And I'm like, they're pretty crazy like to sell to i sell, disagree with that a lot to sell someone hilarious. to sell someone on the idea of like these things happening it's nice and i'm glad people find joy out of it but at the same time it's like it's pretty nuts <laughs> it's pretty nuts uh, but like just to put like something like you know christianity or islam or whatever on the level with um or judaism or you know i'm just trying to like go with some of the longer standing religions yeah. versus like like Scientology, they became, they became normalized after a while, but they're still pretty wacky. And I feel like he he can. I feel like that's another thing that he must take into account. That's like I can make people believe these wacky things because once people start going with it, it starts becoming normal. Like once you can sell someone on the idea of just fucking follow me and like everything will be okay. I mean that's that's it. I mean that's how Mormon religion. I'm pretty sure you guys think Mormon religion is wackier whoa, than whoa, than whoa, bro. than like a Catholic religion. Yeah, excuse it's like this, me. I'm a Mormon. Yeah. Are you really? <laughs> no. <laughs> but like like Mormons get crapped on all the time because like it's so crazy and like they uh-huh. wear magic underwear and all these things like that. And it's like it's not that much crazier than believing that like you know virgin birth and all these things that happen and like shellfish is the devil's work and all these things like. <laughs> Like, it's just like an angel got this woman pregnant kind of thing. You know, it's weird stuff that's like, I'm coming at it from like a total outsider perspective. And I'm like, whoa, that's crazy. You can't sell me on that because that's fucking nuts to me. But I, I, I can see how he could take that and be like, I can I can do that. Like, I can be a fucking prophet. I can be your Jesus. I can be your Muhammad and your Joseph Smith or whatever your mm-hmm. your, your drug of choices. He did say at some point later like that he was Jesus or something, right? Yeah. Or like, yeah, so he really kind of did like try and fill that Messiah role. That yeah. Oh, yeah, the megalomaniac um, in him. Pretty crazy. And I bet you his study into Scientology, even oh, if he I thought bet. it was like, L. Ron wacky. Hubbard filled, fills that void too for a lot of people. Yeah, but like as much as he might have thought it was wacky, he probably realized like, oh, people are believing this. Why yeah. can't they just believe what I'd want them to? Yeah. You know? So, and they don't know the hard underbelly of the American society. Yeah. And it's also in and at this point too that he starts to be imprisoned with people um, that, for all intents and purposes, are involved in the oldest profession in the history of the world, prostitution. So he starts to get affiliated with a lot of pimps in jail, and he's really drawn by the way that they he's that they're able to control women. So again, that word control comes into the picture as well. So he's a person that ha- has had a lot of control taken away from him. So he's interested in, hey, how do you get you know these women to do basically whatever you tell them to do? And you know they basically sell him on the fact that, hey, and I'm paraphrasing because I'm not a pimp, but basically, hey, you got to target women that have low self-esteem. They might have daddy issues, they ha- might have mommy issues, but you got to target these individuals. You know, you got to tell them that they're pretty. You got to say that they have some sort of value in them. And then you got to slowly like, you know, like a sheep that's going to slaughter, you know, you know, calm them into, you know, your clutches, make them believe that you're the only one that cares for them, you know, and slowly distance them away from all friends and family that might be able to, you know, stop what's going on. And then you, you know, randomly, you'll just beat them into submission. You know, if they start to question you, you beat them and then you let them know like, hey, I only beat you because I'm the only one that loves you. Mm-hmm. And then you got to play on basically, you know, their insecurities and you got to make them believe that what you want is also what they want. Yeah. I think you always have to give people the illusion of, 
of freedom, the illusion that no one's pulling your strings, you're choosing to be here. Mm-hmm. You're inceptioning them. Yeah. yeah. So I think once you give yeah. them, once you give them that, they, uh, you know, like you're the one you chose to be here. You're the one like you deserve this. You're the one who wants to be here. Mm. Once you sell people on that, and God damn it, he was a good salesman. Because every time I I think about it, I'm like, God damn, everything he's doing is just like exactly how you would want to pitch some pitch an idea to someone mm-hmm. you know and so he's got these two things going for him he takes everything from scientology again like what he learned from when he went to these preschools or schools that you know these priests were you know coddling him at he would take what they would say and just take what he liked and then fit it into his own agenda so there might have been some stuff in there that he didn't like that he kind of discarded like you know with scientology it was too crazy for him but then he would take that and then internalize it so eventually, five years later, he was paroled out. And this is where he starts to first implement, you know, some of these teachings. And so he starts pimping out girls. And he still has, you know, his carjacking business and whatnot. And that's a funny image, by the way. Charles Manson is a pimp. Yeah, like I can't picture that. <laughs> Can, like, I know you can't have like copyrighted music, but it'd be so great if we had like fifty cent, you know, PIB. Just a little, that little like Jamaican like like steel drum. I'm <laughs> sure we can put it at the very end for like fifteen seconds. Yeah, yeah what's the time limit you're allowed? Because it needs. I think to, you get fifteen I, seconds of can like we get, free. We're an hour into this. Okay, and for a lo- or for a graphic, I totally want to see Charles Manson with the little like Doug Live glasses. <laughs> so I picture terrible. him with like you can like make that. You can make that. He's got to have like those like fucking platform heels and like the fucking feathered hat or whatever. <laughs> One of the images on the Instagram needs to be just a picture of the most stereotypical like black pimp, and don't don't even explain it. Just like leave it on there. <laughs> you know, if you listen, you know, you know, you'll know. He but keep, ba- he kept the pimp hands strong. Then yeah. is that what we're? Oh yeah. Oh, okay. he definitely did. Oh yeah. And so he goes to jail basically because he's taking, he's stealing cars, he's taking them across state lines, he's prostituting these women or girls, I should say, because the one that stands out was um, the sixteen-year-old who basically begged, you know, the judge that, oh, me and Ma- me and Charlie, we're in love and we plan to get married. Like, please don't send him to jail. And I guess the judge took sympathy on this sixteen-year-old girl that made her believe that she was knocked up by Charles Manson at 16 and no never mind you know statutory rape but anyways eventually he gets sentenced again to uh, McNeil Island in Washington state and this is where he starts to learn even more stuff even more hardcore so basically what we have a situation is is okay from the childhood he's getting institutionalized you know as a petty thief and he learns you know carjackings because he's trying to get away from all the rapes and whatnot then he goes to jail for carjackings and he learns basically how to be a pimp and you know manipulate people and women so this is where he starts to really get a lot of his indoctrination is when he goes to mcneil island so he learns there um again, like you were saying earlier, is, you know, he had a really active artistic side. And real quick on that, later on in his life, he'd be imprisoned in Corcoran. Uh, One of the people I went to school with was also, his older brother was incarcerated in Corcoran. And they would say that every time Charles Manson would, you know, walk down um, uh, basically the aisle, like everybody had to turn and face the wall because he was so powerful with his, his mind manipulation that he could just look, according to Danny, that he would look you in the eye and he can get you to do whatever he wanted. And also what he would do is, because he was so artistic, is he would take strands of his own hair and other people's hair. So you'd have people literally pulling hair. out of That's when Charles Manson was Charles Manson already? Yeah, he was already Charles Manson. Oh. But I, just to I, get I'm the gonna, artistic... I'm going to 
call bullshit on that because this guy had so much security that if you were to be the person that killed Charles Manson, you would become like a god in prison. There's no way he he walked around with so much security. Oh yeah, no, they said they did, but yeah, you could not look at him. Yeah, you no, it was it was a free for all. If you could kill him, there were so many people going after. Oh, yeah. him. Nobody was afraid of him. Everybody was trying to kill him just to be that guy that killed Charles Manson. But when they had to move him and stuff, like he would like people would have to turn around in their cells. They couldn't look at him apparently, according to him. But to talk to the artistic side, I guess he would have people you know give him their hair or guards give him their hair, just pull it straight out of their head, and he would make like these fantastic sculptures out of human hair. Um, whether it be like giraffes or you know elephants and whatnot, and that he would try to sell those on the outside, you know, art by Charles Manson or whatever. But the guards like routinely would have to like burn these things in the cell. But um, the way Danny was describing this to me, it was just like, no, it was like some of the most beautiful art you ever saw in your life, like a you know a wicker elephant or a wicker chair or something like. He would make whatever you want. Like he or a guard would say, "Hey, make a chair, make a fucking orangutan," and he would go <laughs> make a fucking orangutan out of fucking human hair or whatnot. So, just okay. to speak on that artistic side, um, when he was locked up, he actually um, learned guitar from a really famous um, mobster, um, Alvin Creepy Carpus. So, um, Alvin, I guess, in prison, like he was playing steel guitar, and Charlie really wanted to learn guitar. And according to Alvin in his biography, he said, you know what? He was kind of dumb and he wasn't very, you know, good at it, but he, he had the motivation. It kind of reminded me of um, the movie Blow at the end where the judge just said, like, hey, your talent just couldn't um, reach your ambition. And that's basically what he was saying. Like, he had a lot of ambition. He just didn't have a lot of talent. But I went ahead and showed him guitar because, hey, he had nothing else to do at this time. So this is where he also started, like you were talking about, with... Um, you know, the counterculture, this is about 1964 where the Beatles or 1962 where the Beatles start to really hit and take America by storm. And he became obsessed with the Beatles, which would play a bigger part later on in the story. But he would just sit <laughs> in his cell just trying to play, recreate Beatles songs um, that he learned from this mobster, Alvin Creepy Carpus. Man, we almost had a wannabe rock star on there. <laughs> <laughs> on the on this episode yeah speaking of meditating assault um <laughs> i digress uh but also in um in prison during this time frame he started to be enrolled in this four-month course by um dale it, it was this uh self-help book basically it was how to win friends and influence people uh dale carnegie dale carnegie it was a course I've that read that or listened to it at least audiobooked it oh really it's like the in the digital age version but it takes all those principles so yeah it's a good book so you want to talk about that like what yeah. that involves so the 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 thesis statement of this book and you know it's kind of like i don't know that this isn't an exact quote but it's like people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care so people's favorite topic is themselves and so if you give attention to somebody they you kind of like earn the right to be listened to and uh so you know that's that's the book in a very very general sense you know they they have more practical versions of it but it is a really uh kind of a good way to be able to have conversations with people and mm -hmm. oh charles manson was amazing because you know really it's because charles manson asked about you and what you're into and you got to talk to him about what you like mm -hmm. so there you go <laughs> yeah another thing that i saw too that it spoke to two like everybody like had uh, two drivers in their life. It was sexual ambition and the ego. And I guess that's what that book helped um, helped you with, basically, is like how to get anyone basically to sleep with you 
and also to to get them to do whatever you wanted. So basically that pimp mentality where it's like you get people to think you get people to do whatever you want by making them think that that's also what they want. And which book are we talking about? Uh, how to win friends and influence people. I mean, I think just the influence side or, you know, just mm-hmm. kind of like gaining people's trust and getting, you know, getting to influence them. Yes. I don't remember it talking about how to pimp it or anything. <laughs> no, no. It didn't say it like in those <laughs> terms. That's one of those like how to be a player type of shit. Remember those books like that would like how to sleep with any woman or whatever. Like I, there was I even like rarely a rarely <laughs> read books. But <laughs> <laughs> there was like a VH1. No, it was like a big thing because there was like a VH1 show. Like I uh, remember there being a show called like how to be a player or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And it had like that weird white dude with like the fucking obscenely weird mod hatter hat or whatever. Uh, I don't remember it. That's a long time ago, but I remember the name sounds rings a bell. Yeah. Hmm. So it was basically, it sounded a lot like that. Like it's basically, you got to, it's basically mind manipulation or whatever, right? You got to trick women into liking you. <laughs> yeah. Because nobody likes you. <laughs> Which I want to say just about how to win friends and influence people. It's actually a very good book that is totally about not being selfish and it's kind of like reaping the rewards. Now I think Manson probably like his, his theme that we've been noticing is he's taking what he likes about something and then kind of spitting out the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's a ton of good stuff in that book that he probably just cast aside and used it to manipulate or use principles from it to manipulate people, which is just crazy. I mean, yeah, I guess you can use, a lot of things for evil if you want to. I know mm-hmm. you talked about um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, Hollywood, but have you seen the season two of uh, Mindhunter? No, I need to, though. Oh, dude, the guy that they got to play him is like... That's the same guy that played Manson in uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It was? Well. Yeah, they pl- he plays the same oh role. Oh, my God. He's like dead on, like mm-hmm. so fucking crazy. Such and a I, great show, by the way. And what's crazy about that actor, too, is is that he looks nothing like him in real life. So it's just like, okay, this is how great of an actor you are. It'd be like you playing fucking L. Ron Hubbard. Like you're that good of an actor. Yeah. <laughs> fucking art. Fucking Mexican, or what was Arturo El Burro over here? Uh, la brown recluse, yeah. The brown recluse over here. Brown recluse. <laughs> the brown raccoon over here turns into fucking L. Ron Hubbard. Like that's what's so amazing about that guy. So check that out. Dang, I got to Google him. I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. He's like Australian too, which uh. is even crazier. The Australians are taking our job. Even, it's not the Mexicans. Even the fucking guy. Shout out to that show, man. The guy that plays uh, BTK. Oh, my God. Dude, yeah, he's on point as well. The guy that plays BTK. He's been in there since season one. But I remember in season one, I was like, oh, my God. Whoever casted this guy to play BTK is like. Give him a raise. Oh, God. Creepy. Anyways, you guys got anything else? I mean, it sounds like it's a. You got something? You're looking at me like you got more to talk about. You got two pages, but it's like... I got three, but like this is why this is going to be like a fucking a two-part episode yeah. because, I mean, no matter no matter how you, you look at this, I mean, this guy had a fucked up life up until now. I mean, yeah, it, it's it's one of those things. Uh, Keith and I were talking about this on our, our way over here to the house that like, yeah, you, you're given opportunities in life to decide if you're going to take, you know, the 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 righteous road and do the right things like you know Forrest Gump or you're gonna t- choose all the bad things but it's just at the same time you're kind of always set when you're always set up for failure like it becomes easy to take like the the low road here you know and it seems like to me like this is a case of somebody it, it, it's a classic case of nature versus nurture where it's just like both nature and nurture failed this individual 
I agree. I, I, I agree with that. I mean, I, I definitely think that, you know, his mom kind of set him up for failure. Mm-hmm. And his mom had the opportunity to just, like, leave him be. Like, he seems to be in steady homes at some point. He looks up to his uncle. His grandpa was doing pretty well with him at some point. And, like, his gra- his mom would just pluck him out and take him to, like, shitty locations where, mm-hmm. like, he would end up in a different boy's home getting raped, basically. So it's mm-hmm. like, yeah, dude. And you got to think, too, like a 16-year-old mother, like, you're not even equipped to be out on your own. Legally, you're not even equipped to be out on your own. You're not even equipped. You shouldn't be even equipped enough to fucking, you know, raise a child dude, at this point. Dude, most 26-year-old mothers aren't equipped exactly. to be on their own. Like, And then there's something, too, I, like I, I've been seeing a lot and hearing a lot lately, too, that, like, the human brain isn't, isn't even fully functioned until like the age of 27 so it's just like yeah you have somebody that's like a whole decade away from even being a fully formed human being having a child the the father of the child left you know halfway through your pregnancy you marry another person you go out drinking and you know basically abandon your whole family so it's just like this guy's dealing with abandonment yeah. issues. He's being, you know, hot shout, potato. Shout out to single moms making it work, man. Yeah. The under, and not raising Charles Manson. Yeah, basically, like, <laughs> mom, single moms making it work. God damn, like, you're the real MVP. You're fucking Kevin Durant's Who? mom right now. Like, <laughs> Kevin Durant's mom is truly the real MVP and every Kevin Durant mom in the world out there. Or what's that song by Ghostface Killer that, all that I got is you. <laughs> And then, like, he goes, we waking up every Saturday with roaches in our cereal. Like, you know what I'm talking Dear about. Dear mama. Yeah. Shout out to Tupac's mom. <laughs> Shit. Every, all of them, man. I mean, it, it, it's fucking, it's fucking, you know, especially, man, minority women raising children. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I mean, like. That's a whole different beast, but um, but yeah, That's not I mean, racist. No, I mean it's 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 a whole different thing. You're a minority. You're a single mom. You have a fucking like everything against you. your gender is against you. You're gonna probably get paid less doing the same job a man's doing. But it's just like yeah, I mean Charles Charles Manson's mom was like so shitty. Mm-hmm. She's like the the anti Tupac's even, mom. Yeah, did you even really try? And then, okay, like I was saying, like just being institutionalized basically like 90% of your life to this point because I believe he doesn't even get out of jail fully until he's like age 34. Yeah. You know, at this point, like where he's in jail, he doesn't get released until fucking, which we'll pick up on next week, is March 21st, 1967. So this guy was born in 1934 and he doesn't know freedom, freedom for a long period of time until 1967. Boy. And even then, it's like only like a two-year frame. <laughs> yeah. God damn, dude. Prison system. Mm-hmm. Hey, we got to put a little blame on the prison system too. Like that shit's fucked up. And see, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Like we, he went in for petty thefts, right? And you were you were talking about it, like it's just boys being boys, right? You get boys being boys, or maybe even boys, maybe trying who come from a single mm-hmm. family or single mom family, you know, that might sell a little weed on the side, and then they get sent to prison for long periods of time and then you got you got someone that's just selling weed and they come out with a fucking high school degree in weed and a doctorate and then cocaine after that i think when it comes to children and you know and everything in life you know we need to be able to like really look at each case individually instead of just looking at a barcode because if we would have identified it as hey this is a bad mom we need to give custody to his uncle or Mm -hmm. you know maybe we don't have this case and you know like the, the our system kind of failed Charles Manson and like mm-hmm. he grew up to be a shitty person. He could have been a fucking IKEA salesman, <laughs> <laughs> but like we don't know. He would have been a good salesman. So like, um, instead he's a fucking notorious 
notorious ass dude. Yeah. <laughs> I do want to point out though, like <clears throat> as much as we're bringing up the things that, oh, okay, like society failed Manson, like his mom failed him, all this stuff, like there, Jacob, and this is part of our conversation too in the car, like I'm sure that there, I mean, show me it, like the self-help coach or the person who has made this work, who's mm-hmm. had the exact same life, you know, probably, uh, you know, bad home life, bad growing up, all these things stacked against them. And yet they did things that were positive and mm-hmm. became like a good person and they overcame this stuff rather than getting dragged down by it. And so I don't want to take all responsibility out of Manson. Oh, yeah, ultimately no, it's like, I, I agree with that. I mean, yeah. I will say, you know, you bring that up and I'm, I'm thinking like all those people that kind of like lived through like the Holocaust that kind of, I mean, that's a really shitty situation too. Like watching your family be killed, being starved to death, being like abused, basically, you know, you know, gas chambers and hearing other people like dying next to you. It's pretty mm-hmm. shitty. It's, it's, I would say it's par to that. Mm-hmm. And like, um, and those people didn't grow up to be Charles Manson. Like some of them didn't, some of them grew up to be like very successful and like, you know, you know, very inspiring stories came out of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so like, I, I will say that, you know, you know, uh, yeah, they weren't, I don't know, maybe some were being raped. I actually, you know, that, the the concentration camps were really shitty, you know. I think they were. Like, yeah, yeah that, that sounds that sounds about right. You look at like the you know Joseph Mengele though, like you, you know those those prisoners and whatnot. Like, I believe one of the documentaries I saw on that, you know, these are people that are actually having human being human experience human ex- experiments being done on them, and they came out to be well adjusted people. So you, you are right. Like, what's the flip side of that? And it's interesting to note that okay. Is this something that was just encoded in him? Like you had a mom like this that was just wilding out, and this is her seed basically. And then the father, Colonel uh, Walker Henderson, he was like this as well. You know, he he was. Would you would you call him basically a um, a drifter? Or a drifter, yeah, basically. So he had like this is blueprinted in him. It's that nature and nurture argument married together. Where it's like this is just imprinted in this individual, but then again, also too, th- th- he's not a dog, he's not a monkey, he's a person, mm-hmm. and you know you try to learn from your parents' mistakes. This is not a dumb person either, somebody with above average intelligence, and you know even for myself, you learn from your parents' mistakes. You know, like my dad, you know, like I'm not going to abandon my children. I'm not going to, you know, you know, fall vic- you know, let alcohol affect you know my household in any kind of way. So. It, you're right on that. Like he did have those opportunities to change, but maybe he just and, did not want to. And yeah, I mean, we we talked about like um, Chester Bennington earlier, you know, he, and I'm not saying that, you know, the same thing happened to him. He had a pretty successful run there, and but eventually you could tell his demons caught up to him. You know, when, whenever like, you know, you don't really face it. And I don't know what he was going through, but eventually, uh, spoiler alert, he committed suicide. And so, like, you know, the the demons that go on in people's minds, that's that's a whole different thing. You know, like, we know so little about the mind and how it works and, like, human spirit in general. Like, you know, I talked about the Holocaust, but the Holocaust was, you know, people fighting together as a, as a spirit to, like, hold tight, you know, hold on to your religion and hold on. You have that backbone of religion. And, and you know, I crap on religion sometimes, but, but, but I do acknowledge that it, it makes people stronger and, and unites people in a positive way. And so I think that Charles Manson never had that. Charles Manson never had the fallback of of religion, you know. Mm-hmm. He didn't have, you know, obviously Jewish people were in concentration camps. And, you know, like, 
you you can you can destroy the body but you know the, the mind the, the mind and spirit are like unbreakable really you know mm-hmm. and he's the his mind was corrupted you know like his his mind was the one that gave in first and i think that it, you know he learned it at an early age getting sold off and he didn't learn the 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 strength and of unity of whether it be religion or whatever it may be you know if people find unity and all kinds of things you know for me i i I view music as a very like spiritual thing i've talked about how uh, music doesn't scream at you it screams with you you know so i i I found that at at a very early age and so um i've always had that as a comforting thing for me and i and i don't blame anyone that has any type of religion like whatever your religion is it's crazy to me but i'm glad Mm -hmm. whatever don't go shoot up school up you know like do whatever you gotta do that's your thing i'm happy for you and like, um, and I'm happy for that. But he didn't have that. He had he had no association, no unity to anything else. He was himself, and like whether he was gonna live the next day or like get raped or be the raper or whatever it mm-hmm. was gonna be. Like so it was a constant fight. Basically, yeah. he was basically a fucking an antelope on the Serengeti. Like he didn't know where you know the lion was gonna come from. You know what direction. You know if what what predator was gonna come after him. Because it would be different, like if he was an average sized person as well. Like you're dealing, you're looking at somebody who was a very meek, small person to begin with. Those are, those are always going to be the first people anybody picks on because mm-hmm. human nature is going to be like, okay, I have to establish myself better than this other person. You know, especially in a system that's as carnal as fucking, you know, jail, the jail system. Yeah. You know, so he's always going to be at the bottom of the food chain, always trying to escape up and he doesn't have even with the religion that we were talking about like it was very it was very off you know the sect of religion and i'll look it up and you know say what it it, you know the actual church name was that you know in the next episode but you know it was very it was very off you know in their beliefs even in their beliefs like that was kind of it wasn't loving basically you could say that was one of those things where like i mean you guys come from a like a christian background but like Mm -hmm. i I know not all christians believe in this very like vengeful god and like Mm -hmm. you know like (laughs) kind of thing you know it's like our our version of it is like it's a it's a religion of love like you know like you'll know a true christian by their fruits you know it's you know patience you know i mean you can finish it because i forgot it yeah because i'm actually still like i'm not christian roots i'm like i'm still christian so yeah uh yeah i mean you were talking about the fruits of the spirit or whatever Mm -hmm. um yeah um, but I wanted to hear the rest of what weren't you saying something more about it or were you done? I forgot what I was what, what, what part of it. <laughs> what part of oh, it? Oh, what I was just literally <laughs> saying right now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, Before I, I interrupted. Oh, yeah, I just you... like because I think that sometimes religion can get like um, focus in on the more extreme sides as opposed mm-hmm. as opposed to you know like the. Is it the syntax or whatever? Is that the proper proper word? But it's like you know the the, the, the things that, yeah the, the 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 things in between you know like the things that you can't explain with words like the feeling that you have when you're around your family members at at Thanksgiving. There's like there's a special bond and feeling mm-hmm. that you feel in your heart and soul or whatever you know, and you can either like uh, appreciate that or you can appreciate you know whatever the bullshit aspect of it is where it's like. You know, like if we're gonna sit down and pray to t- to God for uh, for having this Thanksgiving meal, and and we're gonna like point out that God is like 
will be angry at us if we don't do this or like uh, you know if we don't oh, you, if we yeah. don't point out that abortion is evil and like all these things but we're really forgetting the fact that we're together and we're united and we like love each other and like you know like all these things bring us together and i feel like a lot of times and i'm not saying you guys because you guys seem pretty well adjusted people but i think that maybe he came from like this very like southern baptist like extreme thing where it's like mm-hmm women that have abortion are evil and we need to kill them and hang them and like all this stuff. And like, we still have some, we did the West Baptist, what? Westboro Baptist. <laughs> but yeah, we did those yeah, people. We're not, Southern Baptists, I know certain Southern, and they're not all like that either. So it's, it's, but you're talking about the, the people who use it as a form of judgment and like yeah, almost yeah, like punishment. More judgmental. Versus type. just like loving. Or yeah. Because like, yeah. yeah, I, I mean, my mom's pretty religious and I grew up in, kind of a my my grandma was actually like very anti-religion but my mom was really religious because i always feel like my mom went opposite of what my grandparents were into because my grandparents were like not into religion at all and so my mom went full-on catholic and so like that was always weird that was also weird for me in my upbringing but um like so my mom i think my mom's a wonderful person and like i totally support her and like go worship whatever so it's like do it and like i Mm -hmm. That doesn't mean I love my mom any less, but just we disagree on some things. But like I get it, like I, I get it from. I, I'm almost I'm I'm kind of kind of forgot what I was saying. But anyways, you guys get what I'm saying. Yeah, I, I tell you to go on. Yeah, to tie it <laughs> in with everything. Like I get that, and like with me and Keith, like we were raised with. Okay, you'll know if they're true Christians by their heart, the fruits of the spirit and whatnot. And like, like you were saying, like the, the center of what your religion is, is love. And from when I'm looking at the religion that was in Charles Manson's life. And even like that family structure where it's like that unexplained, you know, feeling of love or whatnot. Like he didn't have that. Like he doesn't know what love is like Keith, you can even answer this for me. Like what is God? Yeah. I mean, God is love. God is love. So, and like, if you're not feeling that love, then you don't know what, but it, what is love? Baby, don't hurt yes. me. Yes. <laughs> yes. Oh, I'm so glad. That was so perfect. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, like, so uh, the other thing is like, who knows where his family actually practicing good. I mean, it doesn't sound like they were great practicing the, the, the tenets of Christianity because his mom tried to sell him for a pitcher of beer. It's like, and as kids, you know, we kind of take our, our expectation or our view of what God is based on our parents. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you see this all the time in people who believe in God, like they might think that God like doesn't care about them because they have an absent father or something like that. And so the idea that like Charles Manson had like no stable parents whatsoever. And then even the grandparents, they believed in this wacky version of Christianity. So it was just like, even them at that point, like a good thing that I'm glad that you pointed out there is, is just like they picked and chosen from religion, what they wanted to use for their own purpose. You know, like, Oh, like there's, passages in the bible where like you know the man is the head of the household where they like really focus down on that like a man has to be in charge no matter what the man does like he's ultimately right which is again something charles manson would adopt as well that's something that he learned like oh it's okay to pick and choose what you want and then disregard the rest of this book you know and like that's kind of like he got it but that's the only thing he got from his childhood yeah Hmm. so makes sense I don't know. You guys, you guys got That's super it. deep. No, I got super deep, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate both of you guys. Great. I appreciate you, man. You. Oh, yeah. Thanks, man. It's all love, baby. I love all it's you. All I love, love both man. of you. You guys better be there from, uh, 
for me when I get married and have a kid and yeah, die and shit. Because I have to sing some NSYNC or some Backstreet Boys. We're singing Backstreet Boys, son. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's that's. Wait, one. are you the NSYNC fan? He's a Backstreet Boy fan. No, we both? we're both like more on the Backstreet side, but NSYNC just worked for my wedding because oh. yeah, yeah. I will say that Backstreet's Back Backstreet's Back That song is like pretty sick Like in a in a good way? Oh I love that song Okay Yeah you better motherfucker But I don't know that ma- Like I know the the hits But last time you guys sang like some like Really like B-sides type of shit I want it that way Is like the it, That's like the most famous song of the 90s dog Oh <laughs> That's the That's on the soundtrack Bigger than Backstreet's Back Is that when they're like yeah. monsters? Yeah oh, Okay yeah. yeah even that video is iconic Yeah <laughs> Yeah Backstreet's Back <laughs> That's all. All right. So with that said, Art, do you want (laughs) to? Hey guys, really quickly, go to fightbackcbd.com. I love the product. I use it all the time. I've been using it the last few nights just because like it's been hot as fuck. Yeah. And so like I keep sleeping with like the the air conditioning like super heavy. It feels really cozy, and I wake up super refreshed the next day. But also helps me with my anxiety. I've been battling that shit for a while, and it it totally works. And if you're you know if you're into like MMA or you you do all that shit if you're buff as hell Rex like he, Quando. Rex Quando. Just try it out. I think Jacob had a slip disc and like does my one, back. It does wonders for 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 healing and just inflammation and all kinds of things. And now they sell it in a bait pen as well. So yep. Um, I still prefer the drops just because it's so much easier. And I I'm I'm a pussy and I don't like smoking. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, I recommend Fightback CBD and go to fightbackcbd.com. It is a hundred percent. THC free and 100% of the best CBD in the United States of America and made in Texas. There you go. That's exactly what I said. Handcrafted in the great state of Texas. And I am actually holding a bottle of it right now because, again, like Art said, I have been dealing with a slip disc in my back because I went way too hard in the gym trying to deadlift how many pounds, Keith? It was like 405 minimum, yeah. 450. Jesus. It's like double what I was like bench pressing. I, don't, I mean, it was retar- retarded. Yeah, <laughs> very retarded. And I'm all natural, baby, if you can tell by these man boobs. And so with that said, it's like no medication, no... Um, you can totally pass a drug test with it. Yeah, yeah. Like, And for me, like it's been the only thing that has worked. You know, no pain pills have worked. Nothing, nothing has worked for me but this... Fight back CBD. And in my hand, if you are tuning in to the Facebook Live or the YouTube Live, or just watching YouTube in general because I post these up every week. Or if you're accidentally clicking on this link. Yes. <laughs> I am holding a bottle of it right now. The Fight Back Nighttime CBD, 600 milligrams. Infused with lavender. Yes. And it again, it gives me the most wonderful sleep. So go to fightbackcbd.com and use promo code America for 10% off. Go to all of their social media at fightbackcbd. And while you're at it, while you're going to websites and shit, make sure you follow us at Art and Jacob on all social media, except for Twitter. We are at Art and Jacob do a one because we love to put ketchup on our steaks, baby. How do you like your steaks, by the way? Medium rare. Medium rare? Medium rare. Medium well, baby, because I am a fucking Nazi. But with that said, make sure you are also checking us out on Podbelly, the official network of Art and Jacob Do America, where you can listen to other podcasts, such as the world-famous Sofa King podcast. Shout out to those guys, man. What a, what a bunch of nice guys. You guys going to put up pictures? Yeah. We were in the studio today. Yeah, that hot-ass studio. So that's why I was low energy at the beginning of this episode. But I am good now. I'm talking about the Podbelly Studio. The Podbelly Studio is beautiful. Yeah, oh, yeah. Alan Urquhart did a beautiful job on the, the pig logo. Uh, Kevin, the pig. And uh, mm, it's looking good. I'm sure that those pictures will be coming up. I'll be posting them on my Facebook. Or my Facebook. And <laughs> my <laughs> Instagram. I'm out of it. <laughs> I'll be posting them on my, my space. On my MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> 
Heaven is in my top eight. You know what? I just I brain farted too because did I say medium rare? I meant medium well because then you said medium well and I was like, oh wait, yeah. I, like, I must have been out of it. I'm like saying medium rare, but I meant I, I. If anybody's you know cooking me a steak right now, it's I medium. used to like my steak super <laughs> bloody well. and then I got fucking food poisoning. Mm-hmm. Oh man! And like now I'm like, oh no man. Yeah, I need it to be a little <laughs> bit more brown in this town, okay? But yeah, shout out to Podbelly. If you like this podcast, you'll love every other podcast that's on that network because hey. They wouldn't put us on the network if we if they weren't good. So, with that said, everybody, you can find me at Jacob Pixon on Instagram. You can find me at Robots versus Robots on Instagram and also Xbox Live. And Keith, where can they find you? I think I got to follow Art actually because I don't know if I have done that. I'm Keith dot at Instagram, and I think it's Keith underscore Silvis at Twitter. Got anything else you want to pimp? Um, your book. Pimp your book. My book on Amazon, From the Ruins by Keith Silvis. It's a cyberpunk novella, uh, post-apocalyptic world. We got Raymond TZ48, the android, going, doing some stuff, kicking some butt. Um, you can say It's going to be great. Oh, yeah. Well, I, it's kind of funnier when you say You, kick, you he's have kicking to tell butt. the world. Tell your mom when you boo-boo too. <laughs> <laughs> I have to get that in there. So, I yeah, if, if I even get one sale on my book, it's just, you know, it's totally worth it that I was here. Wow. And we have a so Patreon amazing. now, right? That is correct. Yeah, you guys got a Patreon? What's up? That's right, baby. So this podcast cannot be possible without you. So if you guys want to make this podcast even better, if you want to add even more value to this podcast, go to patreon.com slash I believe the A has to be capitalized. I'm not sure why. I try to make it small because I don't know why. I just, I like uniformity. But I guess you have to go capital A for Art and Jacob Do America um, on Patreon. Uh, You can donate as much as you want. At this time, I don't have any tiers yet, but I will be putting tiers in there. So that way, hey, if you donate a dollar, you'll get this. If you donate $5, you'll get that. If you donate $20, I might show up to your doorstep without any pants on. If, but. So instead of tipping your <laughs> shitty bartender tonight who brings you nothing but sorrow and misery, just send us $1 and we will bring you more joy. $1. Oh, pass around the collection plate. <laughs> Jacob is sweating and he's wearing a, and he's wearing a white suit. Yes, brother. And he's sitting on a golden throne. That's what yes. you should be for Halloween this hair. year. White suit, blonde wig, dude, and like yes. gold big frame glasses. A televangelist. Oh, yeah. Dude, I am so doing it. That is such a great <laughs> idea. And with the name of Jesus, everybody, if you just give us one dollar. Put your gold rings on. Give us one dollar. I promise you that you'll see that you will sow into the Art and Jacob Do America podcast. We'll grow into a beautiful oak tree that will then take over the world. We will implement Helter Skelter. And then the brown man will finally be on top. If you donate one dollar, <laughs> I will send you, I will hand make you a paper mask for Halloween. <laughs> Halloween's coming up and I'll hand make you a paper mask. Okay, Dude, you Myers. better watch out because you guys have some listeners and you might have to make good on that. Dude, I'll make good on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, listeners you, in you Jakarta. Don- we'll- if you donate five dollars, I'll make you a paper mask okay. and I'll mail it, it to you. It just went up to five. Let's just, let's get that. Five dollars, <laughs> I will hand make you a paper mask. It but happen. it's hard to reach me, so you have to reach me on Instagram and Instagram only. Yes. <laughs> you got anything? <laughs> no, I don't got anything else. Shout out to who? Tell you mommy you boo too. Shout out Elizabeth Jackman. Shout out Elizabeth Warren. And with that said, everybody, have a beautiful night. Lock your doors. Good night. <laughs>